Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brainwaves. Every two weeks on Brainwaves, I, Ian McAllister, read out news from the board game tabletop industry to my friend... Me, Jamie Adams, who today has a blocked nose. I seem to have a blocked nose a lot, so uh, it will sound a bit... a bit nasal. But don't worry about that. And he's going to read out tabletop industry news to me as well, and to you, our fine listeners... And this is Brainwaves episode 92, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 21st of February, 2022. NFTs abound as companies declare for one side or another. Kickstarter slows their blockchain plans. And Ravensburger has found their game. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. We've reported a couple of times on the world of non-fungible tokens or NFTs in relation to our hobby. The backlash against this technology seems to be growing in tabletop gaming as two major online stores declared they wanted nothing to do with them. DriveThruRPG and Itch.io, both uh, places where you can get tabletop RPGs online primarily, both declared that they would not be implementing the technology in answer to questions they were being sent about their intentions. From DriveThruRPG on Twitter... In regards to NFTs, we see no use for this technology in our business ever. Itch.io, also posted on Twitter, a few have asked about our stance on NFTs. NFTs are a scam. If you think they are legitimately useful for anything other than the exploitation of creators, financial scams, and the destruction of the planet, then we ask that you please reevaluate your life choices. Peace. But Ian, my apes. Your precious apes. Give me the apes, Natalia. Now, not all companies have been anti-NFT and blockchain technology. In July of last year, Chaosium, publishers of the Call of Cthulhu RPG, amongst other games, released some NFT collectibles in collaboration with a company that specializes in the technology called Vive. V-E-B-E. The announcement went under the radar at the time, but has come to light amongst declarations from other companies like DriveThru and Itch about their NFT plans. We reached out to Chaosium for comment on the situation, and they eventually released a public statement on their stance for future NFT tie-ups with Vive, and replied to us with links to that statement, and to articles explaining the Vive model. We'll link to all those in our show notes. Their statement starts by saying that they are listening to the community, and have halted their plans for any future NFT releases. They go on to detail the history of their collaboration with Vive, what Vive is, their consideration of environmental impacts and the initial offering that happened last July. They finished by saying, We appreciate that many of our fans are angry and disappointed. We hear you. Your concerns must be listened to and addressed. That is why, in cooperation with Type 40, the licensee for Call of Cthulhu in this instance, and Vive, we have made the decision outlined above to halt plans for future releases. We do not have another scheduled release on Vive or any other NFT marketplace. We will never require anyone to own an NFT slash digital collectible to enjoy any Chaosium product or game. Now, first, the good. I've read the articles that Chaosium linked us to about Vive and its model, and Vive's model is much less environmentally harmful than other NFT systems. The trading takes place off-chain and doesn't need the computational power of mining Bitcoin or working with Ethereum, that kind of thing. Personally, don't see the point of owning a virtual thing in this manner. I don't see the point of personally owning an NFT, but... Yeah. The technology is very popular with a lot of what might be called tech bros, I guess. And it's 
one of those things that we're seeing infiltrate a lot of companies as investors start to ask about it. And Jamie's going to tell us about that from Kickstarter right now. I don't have anything interesting to add for this because I despise NFTs. But you're going to tell us about Kickstarter. Yes, on the subject of blockchain, back in episode 88, we talked about the announcement of crowdfunding juggernaut Kickstarter, that it intended to move a lot of the back end of its site, that's a lot of the code that, that runs the site basically, over to the blockchain technology over the course of the coming year. Now there's much amusement about this, as would it be expected. Many wondered how this change would benefit backers and creators. Now on February the 17th, Kickstarter announced what the next steps would be for the company. In a wide-ranging FAQ and post on their site, they said they would be slowing down their plans to move to the new protocol, as they kept calling it, and set out some of the steps they were taking to reassure creators and backers. These in summary are, we will not move kickstarter.com onto the new protocol unless it has been tested. Fair enough. We will establish an advisory council made up of a diverse range of Kickstarter users and participants to inform our next steps. The new organisation will be a public benefit corporation like Kickstarter, which means it's set up to perform a public good as one of its main aims. And we have committed in our PBC charter to limiting our environmental impact and we'll hold the new protocol to the same standard. The FAQ tries to address why they'd want to introduce this new protocol and of course we'll link to it in the show notes. The main issue with what Kickstarter has gone ahead and said uh, on February 17th is that they haven't really addressed why they need blockchain to do any of the things they are talking about. They're talking about decentralization. They're talking about a sort of trust issues within Kickstarter itself. But they don't really address in any of that information exactly why blockchain will help with those issues at all. So it, it sounds to me very much like they're still planning to go ahead oh yeah to move to blockchain but they're just slowing down a little to let the sort of re initial reactions to the announcement die down a bit and then they're just going to do it anyway of course they're going to do it they, they made a big announcement and this year is going to be this year is the year where the blockchain and nfts or whatever blockchain you choose be it vive ethereum or indeed any other they're still all ridiculous scams and nfts will continue to dominate last year it kind of picked up traction at the end of the year this year it'll try and take off yeah i mean the the main reason that kickstarter is doing this still reading between the lines is they have investors who have asked them what they're doing about blockchain of course that's why they are doing this i mean did you uh, i didn't see the super bowl that occurred uh, recently but it was a great the superb, owl. The superb owl parties yes uh uh, there was a lot of adverts during the Super Bowl for various cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Have you ever seen an advert for money? No. <laughs> adverts for cryptocurrencies, lots of. Weird. Moving from one crowdfunding platform to another. Except this one's fully committed to gaming, it seems. I say that, but Kickstarter spends most of their money on gaming. Reading my mind about how to link to that. GameFound is an up-and-coming crowdfunding site like Kickstarter that is only focused on tabletop games. It's a spin-off from games company Awaken Realms, and it has attracted a lot of attention in the last few months as Kickstarter deals with numerous issues that have made it less attractive to publishers and users, like we have just talked about earlier in the cast. Ravensburger are going to partner with GameFound as an investor and strategic partner. Ian, who is who is Ravensburger, mate? 
If you don't know who Ravensburger are, uh, they are a very big German games company that produce all sorts of games from uh, kids' games right up to sort of hobby-style games. In the last couple of years, they've been very well known for making extremely interesting movie tie-ins for games like their Back to the Future game. Uh, the Jaws board game is excellent, really good, and they've done a couple of others, Top Gun and can't remember any others at the I moment. don't I, I believe there's a Goonies, the, a Goonies one coming I think I think there that's is Burger as well and also their big their big tiles have been villainous the villainous has been extremely popular and that's Ravensburger a number of games from the design team at Prospero Hall uh, yes go through Ravensburger and they're they're a very good group <laughs> very interesting games Marcin uh, Swierkot CEO of GameFound and Awaken Realms said Crowdfunding can be an amazing tool for creating amazing board games and partnering with a respected industry leader like Ravensburger will help us create the best environment for backers and creators. This investment will enable the GamePound team to quickly grow and develop new functions, bringing the platform to the next level. We are extremely excited to start working with our community on the future of crowdfunding. The investment represents the first from Ravensburger's recently announced Next Ventures program, which aims to fund innovative startups in the areas where the company's business interests lie. That's games, toys, and puzzles. Philip Frank, Ravensburger Global Head of Games, what a great title, by the way, said, Ravensburger evaluates over a thousand game ideas a year. We can ultimately publish only a handful of these games on our own, but hundreds more are concepts we know board game fans would really love. GameFound makes it easier for all creators to produce the games of their dreams, and we're excited to support a platform that will help deliver even more game experiences to tabletop fans around the world. Now, it's important to note that GameFound is still in beta stage at this moment, meaning only those invited to use the platform can run campaigns there. But those players have included people like Portal Games, who are you know big players in the industry. It's really interesting to me to see Ravensburger throw their weight behind a crowdfunding platform. Uh, as far as I'm aware, Kickstarter has no similar tie-ups at all with board game publishers. And the statement from Philip Franks speaks to me of them maybe starting to look towards that to produce games that maybe are a little outside their normal oeuvre of what they'd produce. Uh, maybe uh, taking a couple of risks on a crowdfunding platform to produce games. At the moment, best that Jamie and I can remember, Ravensburger have never used crowdfunding to produce any games. But we are often wrong about things, so if we are wrong, please let us know. Yes, do please let us know. Please write in and let us know. <coughs> I was going to say something, and I can't... I, again, like many things, I was going to say something about this, and I completely forgot what I was going to say. Well, while, while you're not remembering things, let's, rem- let's not remember other things. Back in the dim and distant past of the year 2019, oh, remember those days? I don't. Halcyon days. Halcyon days. We chatted about a new digital tabletop platform called Taburu. At the time, this was being lauded by Cool Mini or Not as the next big thing in board gaming. Taburu was set up as a digital board game application. It would have electronic dice that would... uh, digitally read whatever value it came up with it would have for the games sorry for the games that were connected with it it would have uh, like rings it would put on miniatures that would read what they are and their positions and it would basically combine digital and analog board gaming 
again, lauded as the next big thing in board gaming. Listener, it was not. Nothing has been heard about Taburu for some time, until fairly recently. A game called Vampire the Masquerade Milan Uprising was recently announced. And also, it was announced that it would be coming to Taburu. The company behind the technology of Taburu is called Explored. The last time the system was talked about, it was all focused on cool mini or not games. Now, the article that announced this on the website Dicebreaker makes no mention of that company. I don't know what to make of that. It's. I think it's quite interesting that that's been announced with no mention of Kill Mini or Not at all. And best I know, Kill Mini or Not have not mentioned Taboo since the announcement in 2019. Well, times change, finances change, and I know that we've reported several times on the finances of Kill Mini or Not, and maybe they just went, we can't afford it, so we'll just quietly drop it. But it's still there. I mean, I'm amazed that it is still around. That sounds like I'm really damning it. It was just because I hadn't heard about it for a long time. I assumed it was dead. I think it's fair to damn these things a little bit. I've played with a couple of other platforms, sort of digital tabletop adaptions. They're all sort of like big iPads, effectively big sort of touchscreen interfaces. And I can't think of a single one that has made me go, yes, I absolutely want this. With things like Board Game Arena becoming, getting purchased by Hasbro, that seems to be the way that digital board gaming is going. I don't quite see why I need a whole different hardware platform to interact with digital board games. No. <laughs> no, thank you. I think it's worth keeping to try it because... I'd be interested to try it, don't get me wrong, but I still think I'll... Pro- I mean, I would try and go with an open mind, but the ones I played with have not been great. They're just not supported enough. And that's the thing, that would be the thing. It would need a good tranche of games to really win people over. I think that's the biggest issue is if you're going to have to create a lot of games that have been around for, for many years and it's games that people will know, people will recognise, importantly people will also like and they want to play it. And also why would they play it on Taburu, for example or indeed anything that comes after it rather than say just getting it out of its box and putting it on the table. We have seen a lot of board game with app integration and it's entirely possible that very soon we're going to look for more advanced integration and I'm not going to knock it if things like Tiburu become a bit more regular. Anyway, Jamie, talking about financial situations, what's happening on Wizards of the Coast? Generally, you cannot have a conversation about the board game industry without making oblique reference to Hasbro. Now, Hasbro have just recently published their fourth quarter and full year financial reports for the year 2021. There's some startling numbers behind it. From the report, I'll read directly. Tabletop games accounted for 74% of the $1.3 billion in sales for the segment in 2021 and grew at a blistering 44% rate. Digital games were 26% of the segment and grew at a slower but still robust 36% rate. Now, Wizards of the Coast has passed $1 billion in sales for the first time in 2021, with digital sales making at least $50 million of that. Now, that's at least. Hasbro, in total, reported game sales of $2.1 billion for the last year, which is up 19%, with Magic the Gathering 
Dungeons and Dragons, Duel Masters, and the recently crowdfunded Hero Quest being notable successes for the company. That's an astonishing amount of money for Hasbro. They're obviously growing very fast. And Wizards still be still a huge portion of their take, which is great to see for Wizards. Will it get even more with 6th edition coming out? Maybe this year? That's the rumor? I don't believe 6th edition is coming out this year. I think no, we've got at least not. two or three years. Interesting. I mean, I'm just going for... Second, Who will be right? <laughs> second, second edition Dungeons and Dragons uh, was about 10 years. And that, if they're going by that metric, we've probably got at least another two or three years before 6th edition comes out. Maybe, we'll see. We were going to do this next article out in the Brainwaves Garden, but it's a bit windy out there at the moment. So instead, we're just going to do it. We, we also we've also run out of budget for rogue wind sound effects. We splurged them all earlier this year. Yeah, Jamie keeps buying things, and it's yeah, stop it. I keep telling you, no. I like my bouncy castle white house. Okay, it keeps you happy at least, I guess. In the UK, the controversial HS2 train line is continuing to be built. It's crossing into the deserted medieval village Fleet Marston in Buckinghamshire, where an excavation of a Roman cemetery there alongside the line has uncovered a number of decapitated skeletons associated with a late Roman period burial custom, but also some burial effects, including a six-sided dice. James Hewitt of Needy Cat Games drew our attention to this. He jumped on an interesting question. In the picture of the dice, the sides show a 6, a 3, and another number that is either a 5 or a 4, with some potentially historic dirt on it. But which one was it? This sent him on a little exploration with contacts in the archaeological world, where they informed him it was indeed a 5 in the picture. While this may not seem revelatory, it means that dice were properly positioned. If you take up any six-sided dice, the opposite sides of the dice will add up to 7, 6, 1, 5, 2, 3, 4. That's how all six-sided dice are made. Uh, that means that this that sevens rule has been followed by dice since at least Roman times, which is an interesting little bit of gaming history we wanted to share with you. And there are also some Roman dice towers out there as well that we'll link to you in the show notes. They were not found in Fleet Marston, but dice towers have been around at least almost 2,000 years. Not the dice tower. Not the just dice tower. Dice towers. Just, just dice, dice towers, the items. Uh, the most famous one is the Wettweiss Freutzheim dice tower. I know that Oliver from Tabletop Games blog is probably listening to that and maybe shuddering at my pronunciation, but I'm trying. Uh, but it's interesting, and it's got a really interesting short Latin text on it, which I'm not going to speak in Latin, but they translate as, with the Picts defeated, the enemy has been destroyed, so play in safety. And then there's, <laughs> and there's another wee phrase which says, use me and live luckily or happily. But not both. Not both. Can't, <laughs> can't, can't do both, man. Can't do both. It's uh, mutually exclusive. You can be lucky or you can be happy. Anyway, Jamie, role playing's coming to the stage. Well, I think it's been doing that for a while. You know, you've seen lots of live... Oh, sorry, I think you're talking... Oh, you're talking about this. Okay. As the world slowly unfurls like a recalcitrant hedgehog, here there be dragons, a new musical quest, a musical based unofficially on the Dungeons and Dragons experience, will be premiering in June at the Players Theatre in New York City, USA. The blurb goes... The night before their college graduation, a tight-knit group of Dungeons & Dragons players will embark on their final quest. They must contend with their anxieties, fears and obstacles, 
manifested as fantasy monsters and locales to discover what their futures may hold. This musical quest will take audiences on a journey through the trepidation and excitement of growing up, holding on to what's dear, and moving on in life without our swords. There is a great creative team on board, including Scott Wasserman doing orchestrations, who's worked on musicals such as Hamilton and Dear Evan Hansen. So look out for this if you're in the New York area in June, July. If you see it, please let us know what you thought. Personally, I hope it really does quite well. I'm, it's fantastic to hear about this thing coming up and uh, maybe there'll be a, a UK transfer if it does well. I'm sure there's something else I want to say about it. And why do I never know what to say at this time? <coughs> no, that's fine. Maybe it's going to be a party of... Now, nah, I mean, the cliche immediately would be it would be a party of bards. But uh, I don't think even they would go for that. I, I hope there's a different musical style for each character class. Oh, hopefully. I would have That seem like a missed opportunity otherwise. Before we round up the news for today, just a little tidbit that we found on Twitter. Tabletop Tycoon publishes a great deal of games under differing publishing brands in line with each brand's intended appeal. These brands include Victory Point Games and Starling Games, publishers of the hit game Everdell. On the 10th of February, a message appeared on the social media pages of Tabletop Tycoon. Now, Tabletop Tycoon was previously called Game Salute, and we'll come to why that's important in a second. The message was to the effect of this. As a small board game publisher nestled in NH, New Hampshire, we are choosing to focus our energy on crafting, making, selling, and giving great games. We will no longer be actively posting to or checking our social media accounts. Please subscribe to our newsletter at, and then it gives the Tabletop to Tycoon website address. There was no indication from Tabletop Tycoon why they were taking this choice of action. Now, we said that Game Salute was going to be important. There is a thread on Board Game Geek we're going to link to in our show notes detailing issues that people have had with Game Salute and some of the people behind it, including a gentleman called Dan Yarrington, who has gone on to run Tabletop Tycoon and some of the companies that are underneath that branding. Uh, we'll link to that. It's, there's quite a litany of complaints in there, like delivered Kickstars questions gone unanswered all sorts of things in there that show them to be not the most diligent of companies maybe this is an attempt to just ignore that kind of criticism but it is a company that primarily puts a lot of the games through kickstar like everdale has had most of its expansions and the main game funded through kickstar for instance and that's war of whispers big. which was also done by starling games yeah war of whispers both games i really like and it's annoying to me that there are, is a dodgy company behind those games quite irritating um so yeah th th this is a company that's not got a great reputation you might want to think about that before buying their games i own everdell i'll quite happily say that up front and i own war of whispers uh, and jamie owns war of whispers we think they're great games but yeah the company behind them is not so great and trying to ignore your criticisms by coming off social media seems like a bad move, especially for a company that is mostly crowdfunding because you need that social media presence in order to crowdfund well. Just seems like a very strange move. People who are fantastic, though, are our lovely, lovely patrons. Thank you so much for continuing to support the cast patrons, especially James Naylor and Sean Newman, our executive producers. We'll link to all of James and Sean's bits and pieces in the show notes. Uh, and you can join them by supporting them on our Patreon for only $1 a month. You'll get an extended version of the cast and a couple of 
letter, few letters a year where we, Jamie and I, write about what's upcoming on the site and what we've been doing games-wise, films-wise, and all that kind of thing behind the scenes. And there are various other ways to support us on the site. We'll put links to all that in the show notes. We'd also like to draw attention to an article that we've been reading recently that we thought was excellent from Tanya Pabuda. It's on Medium and it's called The Sinister Side of Board Games. It's quite a short read, but it's about Tanya's experience of investigating the sort of darker side of board games, especially in comments, um, especially from people of color or women in board gaming getting targeted by some horrible vitriol. It's a not an easy read, but I think it is worth reading. It's the sort of thing we report on quite a lot. Tanya is a sort of board game scholar. That That's what they call themselves on Medium. And I believe they are looking into this further. And we'll be producing some sort of more detailed report later in the year. This is just a sort of summary of some of the information. We'll link to it in the show notes. Do give a read because we think it's kind of important to talk and think about this kind of thing in the hobby. Anyway, Jamie, before we get out of here we're introducing children to mon- capitalism that's a that's one way of putting it uh i'm not going to put it quite as as stringently as that but i think it's fair to say that uh, most people's first introduction to board games may have been monopoly or at least one of their major introduction to board games but now there's been a monopoly game that's specifically designed to help young children with their counting and their reading This is Discover Monopoly. Now, there's a double-sided, simplified board, one based on simple counting and picture matching, and the other side for simple reading and maths for different ages of children. Now, you can take Penguin the Penguin, Car the Car, Ducky the Duck, Scotty the Dog, Hazel the Cat, or Rex the T-Rex around the board, collecting parts of the 16 properties and helping your young ones learn, with each side having their own money and properties. Now, after all, as the box says, every billionaire starts somewhere. I think taking Monopoly and putting it into a more edutainment-focused version? Oh, edutainment, Jamie. Edutainment. Come on. This is following in the great footsteps of things like Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, which I never played. Uh, or Adibu, which I did play. It was weird. Anyway, dear folks, thank you very much for listening. If you like what you listen to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're mostly active on Twitter these days. But the place where we're actually most active and talk to our community is on our Discord. There'll be an invite in the show notes, and you're very much welcome along to come play games with us, chat about the news. Kind of say, it, it does make it sound like that you said, we're most active where we actually talk to people, oh, yeah, which right. is like, no, 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 we're going to keep this in. We're keeping this in, Ian. That it make it sound like you can we're we're on Twitter, but you can try and talk to us, but we are far below your mere mortal concerns, which we're not. I'd like to point that out. No, we're not. We talk quite a lot on Twitter. Twitter and Discord are the main ways to come and chat to us. And uh, Discord is where our community is, where we talk about all sorts of things. Uh computer games board games all sorts of things and of course mainly the news where our lovely lovely community helps us out like finding bits and pieces of news for us to report on which we really really appreciate our website's thegiantbrain.co.uk where i post weekly articles and the podcast goes up and you can email us about anything in the show Uh, if you want us to cover something in particular you think we've got something wrong please do write in and let us know it's giantbrainuk at gmail.com thanks for listening bye bye for now bye bye
I was quite trim. 